Welcome to TFL's Capital Connection. I'm Drew Zahn, our Director of Communications, and we are here with a all-new format podcast this year, giving you an insider's look at what's going on in the Capitol, both the policy work and the ministry up at the Capitol on the issues that impact you and your family. Today, I am joined with Chuck Hurley, again, our veteran uh, policy wonk uh, and lobbyist. And also today, I'm joined by Leo Lazzarini, who uh, works with our Church Ambassador Network. I really look forward to, to sharing with you a little bit about the work that the church ambassadors do with pastors up at the Capitol, the real core and heart of the ministry side of what we're doing up there. Uh, also looking forward to talking about this first uh, couple of weeks of session, the business, the hard work of legislating has already begun, but also we have a brand new tool on our website. I'll talk more about this in a bit, but a way for you to be able to follow along on the bills that we're talking about and even some of the bills that we're not talking about. So you can get an idea of exactly what's happening all week long. Don't even have to wait for the podcast to find out what's going on at the Iowa Capitol on the bills and the issues, like I said, that impact you and your family. But let's start with Chuck. Chuck, um, the uh, legislative session has begun. We've got, I know you've already done some testifying up at the Capitol. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what may be some of our top key priorities up there and uh, specifically about some of the testimony that you've already been involved with. Sure. Life is always one of TFL's top priorities. And I had the opportunity this week to testify on behalf of a maternity home. Uh, there's maternity homes, uh, over 450 of them in the United States. We're not sure exactly how many in Iowa. I'm going to guess about, you know, six to eight. But uh, there's one in particular in Dubuque that was having some trouble with some zoning. And so we're up there just trying to help more moms, help more babies, um, hold up the sanctity of human life. And maternity homes are a big part of that. So we're on the side of maternity homes trying to exist and thrive in the communities in Iowa. Chuck, what is meant by maternity home? What is that? It's where moms go when they don't have a better place to, to live and uh, finish. Typically, it's when they're pregnant and they need a place to uh, be while they have their child. And then for up to two years afterwards, a lot of maternity homes um, will... Uh, the, the, the real core of it is personal ministry to women in trouble or having a unplanned pregnancy so that they'll keep their baby and then to train the moms in job um, skills, train them in budgeting, train them in uh, how to how to care for a child. So it's just really a, a phenomenal ministry. I've my wife and I have been supporting a maternity home in the Kansas City area for 40 years and they've saved you know, help save thousands of babies. Thank you, Chuck. You know, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, uh, even your personal involvement with maternity homes. Uh, I, we just need to counter this nonsense lie that gets perpetuated. The idea that pro-lifers only care about the babies. Oh my goodness, no. No, you've been involved in caring for the mothers of these children. Uh, for you, said for more than 40 years. And here we are working on behalf of these maternity homes that exist in Iowa. And in some locations, uh, they run into problems with zoning and the cities and, and, and neighbors and whatnot don't want them around. Yeah, it was an unfortunate situation where just a very, very few people there in Dubuque were 
complaining. The city council actually did the right thing, but it was after a lot of wrangling and back and forth and what's the law say, what's the law doesn't say. So this statute would help clear that up and make it uh, available for maternity homes in any community in Iowa to really have a fair shot. So right out of the gate, this legislative session, we have the family leader working on pro-life, pro-mother and baby, baby and mother bills, love them both. But even that's not the only one. We've got another bill that we're working on as well. And the governor, in fact, as I recall, highlighted it in her condition of the state address about extending postpartum Medicaid coverage. Yeah, a lot of gals uh, who are pregnant and are considering abortion are pretty poor. And so um, Medicaid is a government program. We can go back and forth on whether government should be doing welfare or churches should be doing welfare. I I lean very strongly toward churches and families picking up uh, most of that slack. But the fact is Medicaid's a thing. There's a lot of Medicaid dollars that are spent, and it's just sort of rough or, or sort of a cliff effect if you cut the Medicaid funding off right after the baby's born. So the governor and the pro-life groups in Iowa, uh, and I think almost it, th- this will be more or less a non-con, I think. Uh, most people think it'd be good to make sure and stay with that mom, uh, at least until the baby's a year old. And, and again, until the gal can get job training and uh, get out there and stand on her own two feet. You use the phrase non-con. You mean non-controversial, right? That's yeah. what that stands for? Yeah, All right, yeah. good. And that, and that's very, very rare for the family leader to get involved in a non-con. Okay. Well, sometimes these policies are just, it's like they ought to make sense. And I would just like to uh, say that that we recognize and, and, and stand up and say, we know that the abortion issue is complicated. We know, we understand the idea that women find themselves in difficult positions Mm -hmm. that make an abortion an appealing option. Mm -hmm. And obviously we don't want to see the mother suffer the pain of that abortion. We don't want to see the child lose his or her life in that abortion. And we recognize that part of that means when that mom is in that desperate situation, whether it's poverty or an unsafe or unstable uh, home situation, we want to be there. We want to help. We recognize that's needed. And here we have two examples of the family leader working um, right out of the gate in that very kind of issue, caring for both baby and the mother. You said something earlier, Drew, that really caught my attention, and that is that for my adult lifetime, 45-plus years, I've heard a falsehood perpetrated that pro-lifers, quote, only care about the baby as long as it's in the womb. And that's simply not true. And I can tell you from personal experience, my wife and I have had 15 foster kids. And uh, I sort of enjoy now having that dialogue with people when they say, that's all you people care about. Because part of the fact is that we Christians need to put our time and our money and our effort where our mouth is. And it's probably true that there have been some uncaring pro-lifers. I haven't run into them, but maybe there are some out there. But the raw fact is pro-lifers care about um, people made in the image of God. That's the root of our concern and our care, and that is whole life. That's for the whole life. So praise God, pro-lifers are really stepping up very well on foster parenting, on maternity homes, and on caring for 
human beings from conception to natural death. And these efforts, in addition to the mom's bill that was passed in previous years and expanded last year as well. Hey, but I mentioned earlier this uh, new feature on our website, and this is the perfect time to mention it because the uh, bill that's going to help women to receive care longer uh, should it be passed. That bill is known as HSB 500. And uh, you know, what is that to the average person? Well, here's what you can do. And here's what's now available to you. If you will go to our website, thefamilyleader.com, right up at the top, there's, there's a number of different categories. One of them is elections and policy. And that's what we're talking about, a policy. Click on those words. Now you'll be taken to our elections and policy page. And then right up at the top, new list of categories. One of them is called the bill tracker. And I would encourage you to click on that. That will bring up, this is a brand new tool, uh, that will bring up a number of different bills that we're watching. Not all of them, mind you. There are thousands of bills that get filed virtually every year up at the Capitol. But the key bills that we're working on, that we're focusing on, they'll be up there. And one of them is HSB 500. And then it'll have a title. You can click on that to go to the actual bill, read it for yourself. And on the bill tracker, it also lists, is this a bill that we are supporting or a bill that we're opposing? Uh, and it also lists where it's at in the process. Is it stuck in a committee right now or waiting a hearing? Is it subcommittee? Has it passed the House? Has it passed the Senate, mm -hmm. et cetera? All of that information is at your fingertips. And if you discover there's a bill that you're passionate about, mm -hmm. you can continue to follow it all session long. Check that out. Check that out, that bill tracker. We'll talk about more of that in the future. A um, couple other big things that are on our radar coming down the pipe. One of them, Chuck, is about protecting kids online. Mm -hmm. Another one that ought to be, as you called it, a non-con, but we'll see. A number of states now, Drew, have passed laws trying to protect kids from pornographers, uh, trying to protect kids from companies that mine their data and then uh, get them hooked on things that aren't helpful, uh, that go around the parents of these children. And uh, there's the Surgeon General of the United States recently has stated that there's a mental health crisis largely fueled by social media. And it doesn't have to be pornographic to be harmful to young people. It can be dark and depressing and and just uh, there's a whole host of problems now that have cropped up in young people. So many states now are looking at this, including Iowa. We've got all the way to the Speaker of the House very, very interested in trying to protect uh, young Iowans from these rapacious social media companies and pornographers. So it's, it's a lot of work. It's a tough issue because of the First Amendment. Uh, it's a tough issue because these these big companies make billions with a B of dollars every year off young people getting hooked and addicted. And so um, we're rather confident based on other states' experiences that this could be bipartisan. Uh, many Democrats are also concerned about young people's addictions and, and whatnot and the mental health crises. So uh, we have three different uh, bills that are in process. They aren't uh, introduced yet, but yeah, in the coming days, uh, we will be having bills that we'll, we can discuss in detail, and we may want to have our listeners contact their legislators 
because these uh, these could really prevent a lot of suicides, addictions, and so on. So a couple of the top priorities, um, as, as Chuck mentioned, protecting kids online, helping babies and mothers in a comprehensive uh, pro-life effort. Um, we'll talk more in weeks to come. Uh, but speaking of comprehensive efforts, you just heard from our chief lobbyist up at the Capitol. But we also, the family leader has been working for years to bring, uh, well, I think cumulatively, literally thousands mm -hmm. of pastors up to the Iowa Capitol. And so I turned to Leo. Mm -hmm. uh, Leo uh, works with our church ambassador network. Mm -hmm. Last weekend, uh, Greg, who leads that team, shared a little bit about the comprehensive vision of the church ambassador network. If you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's podcast. But today I want to talk because uh, the work at the Capitol is already started. Start with you, Leo. Talk to us about uh, what happens when the family leader brings pastors to the Capitol. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What does that look like? What do you guys do? What's the impact? Yeah. I'm freeing you up to tell us to tell us the story, Leo. What's going on? Good. Well, first of all, thank you, Drew, for having me on the podcast. Thank you, Chuck. It's great just to be with you guys. And I love the comprehensiveness of our ministry, how we can work on policy, on elections, and also minister to every governing authority. And I'm just glad to be here to share more about the Church Ambassador Network. Um, I am the regional coordinator for the Central Iowa, but also director of church engagement. And basically, our team, our goal is to get to know all the churches in Iowa. We won't be able to go know all of them much in depth, but we want to know as many as we can and bring those pastors to the Capitol. Our desire is that every legislator, every House member and Senate member, they have at least one pastor that is coming to the Capitol regularly to meet with them, uh, to pray for them, to encourage them. So our recruitment uh, involves, um, you know, geographical areas, involves the type of churches that we connect. Um, and one of the beautiful things is when you bring those two leaders, those two head of institutions together, uh, God just takes it from there. Uh, it looks very much like a ministry at our church, as you know, as you think about discipleship or meeting somebody new at our church. Uh, people are people. Uh, we don't change uh, that much. We have different worldviews. We meet people from different backgrounds. But at the end of the day, when we bring a pastor to the capital, uh, they are connecting with people as they do at their church. Um, but they happen to hold a position of high power and a lot of responsibilities. Um, so one of the cool things we hear from legislators often is, um, how uh, pastors, when they come, is a refreshment for them because they offer to prayer to them. They, they ask, how can I serve you? How, can, how is your family doing? And in a day that they're very busy reading through bills and, and, and trying to discern what is best for the people of Iowa, carrying the weight of decisions on their shoulders, uh, having somebody that comes alongside you to encourage you with um, scripture uh, or pray for you uh, is amazing. So we have heard great feedback from our legislators, and um, we have two teams specific, three teams at the capital of pastors. We call one we call our local pastors, uh, local team. Those are pastors that are from each house district that we try to recruit to bring them. Uh, so when legislators meet with the pastor, uh, they're familiar with their area. Uh, so the pastor knows the city, the legislators knows the city, they know the community. They're able to connect on the local level and talk about the community there. Um, uh, second, we have our equipping team at the Capitol, and they work specifically on overarching principles that the Bible has for specific topics like education, criminal justice, and uh, brokenness or, or, or bondage. And they, they really wrestle through with legislators on an overarching level um, 
on principles that they can use as they're shaping policy or thinking through it. Um, they, they come to inform them of the Word of God and very much of what election policy do, and they do on a, a different level of more of the principle of it. Uh, not so much specific policy, but on the on some overarching principles or foundation that helps them. And then third, we have our care team. And we love our care team. Uh, those pastors, they come more regularly to the Capitol. Um, they don't come once a year, but they come every other week. Some come every month. And their goal is to connect more regularly with legislators. You know, pastors from Sioux City, Iowa, or Dubuque, or some other areas in our state, they're far away from, you know, the capital. So it's hard for them to come every other week. Uh, but we have those uh, pastors that they are available. And when they come, they came once, uh, the Spirit just put a burden on their hearts to continue to come. They see that as an open door for ministry, to care for people, minister the Word, share the gospel. And, and then we connect them with the care team. Uh, and they are the ones that work through specific passages that can build them up as a leader. Um, as we know, I'm sure Greg mentioned that last week as well. But the Bible has a lot to say about government, about our government leaders, what it does, um, why God created it. And they're able to work through those principles. Um, some of the cool things I've um, heard over the years of being uh, in this role for uh, over five years now, uh, and I'm from Brazil, as you uh, can tell, I have a, a thick accent um, and um, had nothing to do with government before, uh, didn't want to engage government at all. But as I began to dig in the scriptures and see the importance of government, I just grew in passion for ministering to governing authorities because I see the importance of it. Um, and over the years, what, I, what I've noticed is I've seen legislators just come to pastors before they're voting on a bill and just asking for advice or prayer. Uh, it's something that is maybe hard to decide on. It's not black and white. It's a gray area, just uh, rough decisions to make. And pastors would be able to encourage them right there. I've seen, uh, I've heard from care team members of those pastors, the uh, legislators, that uh, family members were sick uh, or had a disease or cancer. Um, and I've heard one story where the legislator asked for prayer. And uh, this pastor prayed for healing. And uh, later on, a few weeks later, this legislator came back and said, look, I don't have that type of faith, but actually the member of my family that you pray for was healed. And what a, what a beautiful thing that is to see that the, the Word of God and, and the, the power of the Spirit can touch those lives at the Capitol as well. Uh, and they're, they're people just like we are. They need the gospel. They, they need people to minister to them. Um, so it's just a, it's a blessing to be at the Capitol. Uh, it's a privilege to be at the Capitol. It is a space that's not as much as a church friendly or, you know, in our own communities. It's a little bit, there's a little bit more tension, a little bit more conflict. Uh, people sometimes are a little bit more um, stressed out or overwhelmed. Uh, but what an opportunity to minister, An right? opportunity for the church, exactly. Yeah. Leo, thank you so much for sharing that with us. We're going to hear, I think, more from Leo as the weeks go on here and other members of the CAN team. But I just want to highlight one of the things that he said. Uh, uh, he was talking about pastors who learn to see the Capitol as an open door for ministry. Mm -hmm. and, and I wonder how many of our listeners today have ever thought of the Capitol in such a way as an open door for ministry or as a missions field. Mm -hmm. That is part of the comprehensive heart and nature of the work of the family leader. And I would encourage you, make sure you tune in to us next week. We will continue to hear more from Can. Uh, we'll hear more about some of the specifics. We'll hear uh, more about just, just a lot of the things. Uh, 
uh, that that they're working on up there that the pastors are bringing. I look forward to uh, uh, more stories uh, too as well, uh, how lives are changed and how lives are impacted both by the policy and by the ministry at the at the Capitol. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's edition of Capital Connection. I look forward to having you join us again next week. This podcast is a project of the Family Leader and the Family Leader Foundation and is only possible through the generous support of our donors. If you would like to partner with us in our work, please visit thefamilyleader.com 